You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Welcome back to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. I'm up here uh, hungry but excited to be here with my friends. I'm Frank Gill. Over in Baltimore, Maryland, we got Jeffrey Simpson. Not hungry, but excited. I just ate at Panera. It was great. What's up? Yeah. Down in Sumter, South Carolina, we got Delmar P. My fridge is broken, so I'm definitely hungry, but I am excited. Mm. Awesome. And just finishing uh, a hard shell taco, we got Andrew Larson. Okay, it wasn't just a hard shell taco. It was the... uh, the web exclusive, if you have the Taco Bell app, Ooh. where you get to build your own box. Nice. So I had, yeah, if you have the Taco Bell app, there is a online exclusive option. So it was the My Cravings box. You choose a specialty. I had a cheesy gordita crunch with a hard taco and then uh, the chips and that delicious nacho cheese they have there at mm, that the nacho Bell. plastic cheese, love that it. That nacho oh, cheese I is love killer. It. Yeah, yeah. Did um, you ever? Yeah, did you ever put a fire a fire packet in the nacho cheese yes. and Dude, stir you know it up the, with the chip? Mm. One of the greatest combos. Uh, I worked with a guy who would always do one packet of Chick Fil A sauce with his Chick Fil A sandwich. He'd mix one packet of Chick Fil A sauce and Texas Pete together, and that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Ooh, have y'all ever had bow sauce from Bojangles? Yes. Bojangles. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Have you guys been seeing the food hack thing from McDonald's lately? No, oh, that's, that? that. those are breaking Levitical codes. Like, that's disgusting. I know. They're, like, <laughs> they're like encouraging you to, like, buy a filet fish and a Big Mac and put them together and make a yeah. filet mac or something. Like, they have commercials on TV. It's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Pretty bad. Andrew, you're muted. <laughs> oh, still muted. It's not. I would say I'm not. I I wasn't on mute. It's the the light is on on. Hey, we'll edit this part, guys, or not. But it is called the the air the air land and sea with the chicken nuggets, Big Mac, and fillet of fish. That is that is just a bad afternoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, just eat like fat people. Take that. I mean, like, let's be honest. We've all been there guilty, right? Like, you yeah. just, we combine stuff, we mix it together. Like, they're really late to the party on this one. Yeah. It's, it's pretty gross. I just want, um, I just want, I just want McRib back. That's all the I want. O- the only thing on the menu that, in that, like, weird, like, make your own hack type of thing is putting a hash brown in a sausage McMuffin. And I'm like, okay, that's, I'll that's do that. I'll, yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's a game I put changer. fries in a sandwich too. That's good. Yeah. Like, yeah. mostly you can mix. All breakfast foods together, and they taste good for the most part. If I mean, it's like that's a hot Taco, breakfast food. That's Taco Bell. Like Taco Bell is basically just like wrapping all the ingredients in a burrito, and you're just eating it. So, um, hey, uh, one person who's not here is Tim Miller, and that's because he's literally going door to door sharing the gospel. Uh, Andrew, can you speak into the whereabouts of Tim Miller? Uh, he is some way, somewhere between Hudson and Holiday, Florida, right now. Just knocking on doors, and it's uh, he's for in the a sole reason personal... that he beloves Jesus, right? There's no other reason than he loves Jesus. I think it has nothing to do with the fact that he's in a personal evangelism class this semester at the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Okay, but just making uh, sure. As listen, as the Tim... seminary grad 
So he had to have a supervisor who was ordained and a seminary grad. So my signature is going on the form to say, yes, in nice. fact, he did go door to door street witnessing and I knew about it and approved of it. So way to go, Timmy. I'm proud I just of you. feel like I just feel like the spectrum between Hudson, Florida and Holiday, Florida, you could map that on a graph of Second Amendment people and it would totally <laughs> map out between Hudson to Holiday. You know what I'm saying? You have way too high of a view of holiday. If that's what <laughs> I live you there, think. man. I, that used to be but, my stomping grounds. Uh, yeah, therefore you have to think low, lowly of Hudson. But as someone who lives in Pinellas County, I will tell you they're the same place. Okay. There's, well, you're there's farther, no farther difference. Down the, you're farther down the the chart on that one. When, when there's think, no difference between Hudson and Holiday. <laughs> no, no disrespect to Hudson and Holiday, but all I think about is. Um, what are those stores that people buy stuff and then just resell them? And it's like it's like a, 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 a <laughs> consignment store, right? That's what this is called. Yeah, I just feel like there's like no actual stores there; they're just like consignment stores everywhere, and people are just selling other people's junk for like a little bit more than they should. You know what I'm saying? That's that's why I feel like yeah, all of Hudson, Florida. Um, Hudson versus Holiday is Green Key versus uh, Hudson Beach. Which it's there you're right, you Andrew. It's, it's the same thing. This is deep it's the same thing. talk that like no one understands. What's this happening is right deep. Now. Yeah, cut, I'm totally deep checked cut. out right now. All I I well, ended you know when what? you said Second Listen. Amendment country, and I was like, okay, let's go. It's all Listen, South Carolina. We can take you guys on a field trip in two weeks when we're in Florida for you know what. Bing 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 bong. That's what we're talking about right now. Is the practically pastoring conference? Yeah. Hey, literally, that was like professional. Yeah, I think I, like my I have an app with a countdown for when my flight is. And it's like 12 days away till I'm on a plane. I am so excited. Um, one, Listen, because... And not to give anything away, but there there is plans that include sand and water. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. That's just living in Florida. <laughs> Everything is sand and water in Florida. <laughs> but... Uh, but uh, but yes, I am. I'm so excited. Um, I'm excited. I'm going to be sending a, a, a big group email to everybody who's attending. We have... Uh, not just an amazing conference plan, amazing uh, fun things plan, but we have some amazing sponsors that I cannot wait. We got some goodies, like above and beyond what I was expecting in terms of what we're going to be able to give to some people. It's real talk. It's going to be so great. I cannot wait. But if you are, I mean, at this point, if you sign up for this conference, you're either independently wealthy or a very flexible job because it's two weeks away. But if you're still interested in going to the Practically Pastoring Conference, go to practicallypastoringconference.com, February 21st to the 23rd. Come hang out with all five of the Practically Pastoring guys, and it's going to be such a great time. I, we've talked about it every day for the past like six months, and uh, I have a feeling that we're going to talk about it a lot even afterwards. So it's going to be great. Someone already asked this question. Two people asked me, um, are we going to do this again next year? And assuming we uh, aren't going into debt, yeah, I'm sure we will. Like, this is going to be. Uh, I, I'm I excited. Again. Yeah. Why not? Why? Why wouldn't we? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it's it's going to be a great time. Hey, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. Take a quick break. Hey, we're back, and we're going to quickly talk about the Super Bowl. Hey, um, real quick, do you guys have a dog in this fight? Like, who? which Super Bowl team do you care about winning? Rams or Bengals? Who are you going for? 
entertainment. It, isn't it in the Rams stadium too, right? It's at SoFi. Yeah, it's yep. the second year. The, Did you guys see the meme advantage. where the NFL was like, yeah. we apologize for <laughs> So we're going to have it. In Texas okay, so I on. saw that meme driving to church yesterday. <laughs> I thought it was some official NFL document. So gotcha. I'm Googling what's going on with Dallas and what happened. And then my friend was like, oh, <laughs> this is a joke. I'm like, yeah, okay, sports. A question that uh, many youth pastors ask this weekend is um, Are you watching the Super Bowl with your youth group? I think I heard. On the morning after ministry show, that Andrew, you watched almost like twenty years of Super Bowls with a youth group or something. Is that true? Yeah, uh, like fifteen as the youth guy in charge, and then probably three or four during college as well. Yeah. So uh, I was in a similar situation. Dell, did you watch the Super Bowl with your youth groups? I watched a couple, but when it was all said and done, we had like fourteen life groups, and I was just having the kids go to their life group people's houses. And watch them, and then I was just, like, making the rounds. I used to watch it with my worship team, and we would just sing during the commercials. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) Just sing during the commercials. Hey, hey, real quick, though. Do you remember the year or two when you weren't allowed to call it a Super Bowl party? Shout out to Brian Lucas for some of the best graphics. Remember when he made that superb owl graphic? That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to to you, Brian. I know you listen. Shout out. That was great. (laughs) So I think there's like two big questions that always get asked, like, hey, during the halftime show, do you watch it? And then also, what do you do with the commercials? And Desiring God, this, already, this came out in 2017, um, but uh, it was like it was questions, how do you Super Bowl I, ideas for navigating controversial ads and um, high-level points to give like so, – But there aren't right? controversial ads anymore. Like there haven't been controversial right. ads in the past five or six years. The, yeah. the world has changed. Everybody's skating around it. Yeah. Listen, this should be part of our conversation when we were talking about the uh, rise and fall of Mars Hill. Like, just look at what the culture was like ten or twelve years ago. Yeah. Of course, the shock jock sure. pastor was the shock jock pastor because now all the commercials are look how fun and nice everybody is, as opposed to GoDaddy and buy a Carlsberger cheeseburger. Just don't bring your children if they're under seventeen. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, back then, I mean, this is 2017, so it's not that long ago, but it was, I mean, it's it's interesting. Their suggestions when it came to commercial times was just to look away when it was something raunchy or bad. Um, find a jump that channel. That works great. That works group, fantastic with teenage boys. They really have good self-control. They respond well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're looking at what, yeah. The, well, yeah, a jump I channel, up, I re- the only reason I watched the Super Bowl was for the commercials. That's it. So if you tell me to come to a commercials are kind of the best part, and then I can't watch the commercials, you've just taken all the fun out of the thing for me. So yeah, I remember um, we used to have a jump channel where we called uh, the Puppy Bowl. Yep, it was like the it was like the Animal Planet, and it just be puppies. It was just cute puppies. I thought that was funny. Um, Go commercial dark, so just like I guess turn off the TV during the commercials. Um, DVR fast forward. So that way, I guess you're watching the game like 30 minutes behind. But like in this age of like, you know, social media, like you don't want to do that. Like you're going to get spoiled all the close stuff that's happening. Hit mute, which is something that probably happens for a lot of uh, uh, Super Bowls, uh, parties and youth groups because the music is kind of inappropriate sometimes. And, um, you know, don't feel compelled to watch. Anyways, I kind of read this, read this article and I was like, yeah, it was dated because it's from 2017. And I agree with you, Andrew, that like uh, we're in a kind of a different time. But I guess my question is, 
Um, uh, how do you do you if you're a youth pastor right now? What are you doing? Like, how are you navigating this? Do you just like say it's on? People can watch whatever they want. If it's bad, it's not your fault. It's the whatever. Do you feel any kind of uh, issue with um, putting the Super Bowl on in your church, or do you do what Dell recommends of like? doing it at people's houses and watching it in, in homes. Like if you were a youth pastor right now and, and there's a youth pastor listening to this and they're thinking about what they're going to do this weekend and they still have the ability to change their plans or make a plan. What are your, what's your recommendation? What, what would you do in this situation right now with the Super Bowl, knowing as Andrew said in the other podcast that the halftime show is only for suburban dads who are like 40 right now to lit, relive their, like how they know all the lyrics to the real slim shady. Like, what do you do? What do you do? You do what makes sense for the context of your church. If you have a yep. youth group that likes to do sports and, and watch things together, then do it. Um, the youth group that I was at for the six years before coming here to Safety Harbor, we had a a room in our youth facility that had like an old uh, uh, Nintendo 64 and, and stuff. And by the second quarter, we would have more kids spread out playing video games yep. than we would actually watching the game but they wanted to be together and you know, it's the Super Bowl is an unofficial holiday. Uh, so I was up in Ohio this weekend and the mayor of Cincinnati has gotten with the school district there in Cincinnati. And there is no school on Monday morning for those kids because their, their team is in the Super Bowl for the first time in 40 years. So it is a natural gathering event. So if you have a group that gathers around non Sunday things, then by all means have them gather, but don't force it and don't try to be something you're not as a ministry because boy, you can smell that real quick. Yeah, I would, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, you just get, and, and I was going to, you know, take it to the level of like as a senior pastor, I'm having a Super Bowl party and it's at my house because it's a parsonage. And since we rent out our facility, we can't have the Super Bowl in the church. You know, we can't do it in the church building. So it's going to be at my house. Um, so, you know, I'm, we've been dealing with this every year, every year I've had a Super Bowl party here as a senior pastor. There's always a couple people that are like, Hey, I'll bring this DVD of these like testimony videos that we can show at halftime. And my immediate reaction is just like, what? We're not, that's so lame. Come on. But then, you know, it's like you lay there at night in the week leading up to it. Think about it. Like, well, what am I going to do if that happens? And there's all this weird pressure and it's, it's similar to like the youth pastor pressure. It's just on a different, it's like on a different plane. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, this has just been a hard one for me. Part of me, like in my flesh, just is like, just don't do a Super Bowl party and just watch it at home by myself. But you know, like the same thing, people want to get together and it's going to be, it's not going to be Nintendo 64, but there'll be a group of people who will kind of migrate over to the kitchen table and just be talking and not even care about the game. And then there's a group of people who are going to like, there's a group of people who are going to make it like a big deal. If something comes on, they're going to like, you know, if anything wild happens during the halftime show, they're going to cheer real loud to kind of make sure everybody sees it. And then there's a group of people who are going to be a little bit like, I can't believe we're doing this and we're a church. So it's always a weird, it's always a weird mix. And every year I think to myself, why do we do this? Like, why am I doing this to myself? People could just watch this at home. I don't do this every week. But it's like a cultural thing where you got to do some kind of Super Bowl party. One one big key is that it will be 52 weeks before you have the opportunity <laughs> to put 
a hundred chicken wings on your church credit card and not get funny looks. <laughs> That's true. And so that was a big selling factor for me to always do a youth group Super Bowl party is when can I buy the particular food that I like, but the kids don't and put it on the church card. So take there you go. Take that for what it is. Wisdom from Andrew. I will be smoking wings on the That's smoker awesome. this year, though. Uh, what would you do uh, w- in regards to the halftime show? Are uh, If you guys are watching it, what are you going to watch it? What are you going to do? I know, like, the halftime show is, I mean, like, the weekend played, uh, was it last year, I think? Or yeah, year before? it was last and, year. Um, and, and I just remember... A lot of people were like, "This is the weirdest thing." It was I've weird, but it wasn't like it wasn't like inappropriate. The year before that was a little sketchy with uh, the dancing. Remember that? It was like Shakira and Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like, what would you recommend for a youth pastor right now when it comes to the halftime show? Show testimonies, like Jeff, or what? <laughs> well, my plan is to just disappear off to the back deck and then come back yeah. in when the game starts yeah. again. Like, what happened, guys? Yeah, I do know that Sunday Cool is doing a special halftime show for free. Yep. This isn't sponsored by Sunday Cool, but um, if I was a youth pastor and uh, my kids like Sunday Cool, the Cool Carl and stuff like that, that would be a huge like huge win. win. It's like, hey, we're we're not gonna watch Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Eminem. We're gonna watch the Cool Carl and and crew, and possibly Andrew. Is it true that Tim might be on it? I mean, I have no idea. Andy was was chiming in on the morning after ministry show this morning, but. But we'll see. But I, I honestly thought that question was a direct segue because if I was a youth pastor right now, that is exactly what we would be watching because let's, let's be real. Every, I don't want to throw any youth ministry organizations under the bus, but I was about to, but you, you're thinking of the same ones that I am. They put out that, Hey, here's the youth ministry specific halftime show. It's not that boring thing that the big church people are walking are watching and it might as well be the sanctified sloth that we saw that one time because <laughs> it has zero connection with anything. That will not be the case. Um, it's always, it's always an it interview with like, it's always an interview of either Tony Dungy or Tim yeah. Tebow. And, and it's like, okay, cool. Those guys are cool. Um, the Sunday cool thing looks or Nick Foles. We can interview really Nick funny. Foles these days. That's awesome. Well, I mean, you, you can go ahead and read that article in the show notes. It's it's like again, I, I feel like it's, I like how Andrew said it. That that's kind of from a bygone era. Like um, commercials are a bit woke these days, right? So like you don't have a lot of like inappropriate. I mean, you probably still have some like language. Like there's a I don't know if you guys saw the teaser for the is it um, almost said Joe Rogan? Who's the other Rogan? Seth Rogan. Seth Rogan and um, and uh, the guy from Ant Man. There's a commercial that's like teasing for a commercial for the Super Bowl. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't know if it's going to be inappropriate, but it's one of those things where I, I think ultimately I, I I like what Dell said, doing it in homes. Therefore, it's just a thing you're doing at home. You don't feel the pressure of the church yeah. looming over you about what you're going to do and not do. Um, but ultimately, like I love what Andrew said. It's the one time a year you can put 100 wings on a church credit card and not feel weird about it. So it's great. Nobody bats an eye. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about baptism. So there's a clip going around. Um, I didn't get an audio clip for it, um, but 
it, there's a clip going around about a baptism service that happened at um, a certain church in California where the the young lady getting baptized was asked, like, why are you getting baptized? And her response was really odd. Her response was something along the lines of, like, I feel like God is calling me to be a, like, a soldier for the kingdom, for the animal kingdom, and to, like, protect and care for animals. And she her response was, like, I know I can't do that without unless God helps me or Specifically something. Specifically to me. It was weird. Army of angels. To An do army it. of angels. Yeah, man. It's weird. Um, Her and Chris and Tomlin, baby. It got us. <laughs> that, song is a, that song is a bop. Um, it is a good song. Uh, I think there's uh, – it got me thinking about, you know, when it comes to baptism, I feel like it's kind of on the same level of the Lord's table where, like, you as the pastor need to really protect that event, that that sacrament, to make sure it's not being, A, mishandled or misused as well as um, – the message it comes like you it, it comes across like is important, and I mean I don't know about you guys, but like you know sometimes I remember there was this one student I baptized, and like four or five years later she got baptized again, and I watched the baptism online, and in the baptism she said um, she wasn't really living for the Lord when she got baptized the first time, and like I walked her through that first baptism, and like she was the most legit student I've ever had. And like, I don't know if something happened like when she went to the other church where they like talked her out of it and they really wanted her to get baptized at that church or, or what happened. But I will say it was probably one of like, like it kind of hit me in the gut. It made me really sad because it was like, I baptized her. I walked with her and like, I, I thought like it was, it was special to me. And, and now she, she treated as if that baptism was nothing. And, and so I guess my question to you guys is when it comes to baptism, what's your process walking someone to baptism? Has there ever been a time when you had to say no to somebody to getting baptized? Like, what does that look like? And, uh, and, and how do you protect, um, or if you feel like there's no need to protect, how do you, what do you do with the, the baptism? I think first things first, you don't stick a live mic in somebody's face um, that you have not vetted because then you have people talking about being warriors for the animal kingdom in your service and it lives on forever on the internet. So that's first things first. Um, I, I would have a private conversation with someone who wants to be baptized. And if we're doing a baptism Sunday, it's like, Hey, we're doing a baptism Sunday on this day. If you have not publicly declared your faith and would like to do that through, you know, through baptism, we would invite you to come make an appointment with me and we'll talk you through it. And then once I've heard that person's testimony and they can articulate why they're being baptized, then I would get that testimony on video so that it can be edited to be the same length as everybody else's that we're doing. And so that you do not have a faux pas in front of a live audience with a microphone in someone's face that doesn't know what they're talking about. You know, observation from the whole video was how much the crowd was cheering as she said this, you know, like that's something I, I was like, wow, not only is she saying it, but it's like every, every line she says as the hole got dug deeper, it was like they're cheering louder and louder. So to me, this is a seemed, to, and I think that's why this video is significant because it's it's a lot. It's not just this lady; it's indicative of the whole congregation because they're all. It seems like there was no gospel foundation for baptism at all. So kind of to echo what Andrew was saying, like being able to articulate that is so very important. So like 
if we at our church, if somebody's expressed that they want to get baptized, the first thing they do is, you know, obviously we're going to talk to the pastor. And I just, I just ask this question and you can't give any leads because people pick up when you're asking them a leading question. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons we have these false baptisms. And I just say, why do you want to be baptized? Yeah. Because, and don't give them any leads at all. Get the raw answer. And, you know, if it's anything other than like, you know, to show what kingdom I'm in and who saved me, then that doesn't necessarily mean they're not a candidate for baptism, but that does mean that they need to have a deeper, like a much more meaningful conversation. The way I've done it, and I used to do this with teenagers is, and I do, I've done it with adults is, have y'all ever heard like the wedding band illustration? Like this has actually helped yep. me tell people. That's one no. of my go-tos. Yeah. It's helped me tell people no, and it's helped me encourage people. It's like my wedding band does not make me be married to my wife. It is a symbol that in the past, there was a moment when we began this formal relationship, this binding covenant and baptism is very similar. Like it is a symbol of something that's happened in the past. Um, but one time I had someone bring a, a, a child to me. He was like eight and asked me to clear them for baptism. It was a mom. And I said, why do you want to get baptized? He goes, my brother's doing it. You know, so obviously there was no gospel understanding at all. I shared the gospel, but even then it was like not received, if that makes sense. So what the mother did is she got frustrated at me and took him to another pastor and got him cleared. Yeah. And it's like, cause that's the thing. You can always find the church down the road that'll clear them. And you know, if, if your church is unwilling to clear somebody like that, I think what I learned from that is I, I need to do follow up quicker. You know, if I, I, cause we, we told him, no, I spoke with the mom. He's not ready. I should have probably called her again the next day. Cause anytime you tell someone, no, like that could be taken very personal. And I don't know if y'all ever had an experience where that's been taken like extremely personal. It's like, it's not that you're not good enough. That's actually the point, <laughs> you know, like none of us are good enough and we're trying to get to that. So I think like when I, and when I have had to tell people, no, it is Okay. So today doesn't seem like to be the right time, but can we go ahead and set up a time next week and have this conversation? I just had a gentleman in my church. He's in his mid fifties and he came to me asking me the same question. And I told him, I said, okay, here's the deal. I would love to have this. Um, but can you grab this book? Stop asking Jesus in your heart. Can you plow through it in like two weeks? And then let's talk. He came to me two weeks later. He goes, we don't need to talk pastor. I was like, why? He goes, cause I read the book. And I realized I was baptized when I was a teenager and it was completely meaningful and I don't need to be rebaptized. So there are some useful tools out there that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. I was going to say, um, for me, one of the issues you deal with here, uh, because it's such a Catholic city is people wanting to get their babies baptized. Um, I'm sure that everybody deals with that, but it seems like an inordinate amount for the time I've been here. And, What's interesting is you mix this like weird vestige of Catholicism in this region, and then you also mix the values of our day and age, and what you get is this strange thing where people want you to baptize their baby, and if you say no, it's like the most offensive thing ever because the high value we have culturally is to be able to do whatever we want to do, and for anybody to tell us no is like anathema. It's like, how dare you make me feel like I'm not accepted or I'm on the outside. Um, and so I've told a number of people 
uh, know about baptizing their baby. And also a number of people know about dedicating their baby because they are in a relationship where either they're not married or the husband is not a believer or they're both not a believer. And I've had to explain like, look, when you come up for this is a public thing and basically I'm going to lead you into lying in front of a church and in, in God's, you know, in front of God. And I'm just not willing to do that. Um, because I, when I dedicate a baby or I baptize someone, I'm going to ask you these questions that you're going to answer. And if I know that you're answering those questions and I know you're not going to do what you said you were going to do, then I bear some responsibility in like leading you down. And to me, this is like causing a little one to stumble. And Jesus was pretty clear about that. So like to take us back to the video, I don't know what happened at the end of it. I don't know if somebody stopped it, but I mean, if you're going to do, let's say this was a, a, a spontaneous baptism. She just came down. If you're going to do spontaneous baptisms, you have to be willing to tell some people no right in front of everybody in the moment. And Andrew, that might be a reason why you might, someone like you might argue, we don't do spontaneous baptisms. I think deciding whether or not you're going to do spontaneous baptisms is you know, like on the third level of that's just wisdom. And you decide that I don't think you can make a biblical case one way or the other. Although there are spontaneous baptisms in the Bible, that doesn't I was mean say, that's, there's, you can't say that there's not a model for spontaneous. Baptism. Right, right. I don't think it's a prescription, though, is what I'm saying. I don't think you have to do it. Um, I I tend I, I wouldn't say that I would never, uh, but I probably wouldn't. But I have had to um, I had a, a guy in my church want to get baptized and um, he came to me and was like, I'm really nervous about talking in front of people. So can we just do like a, a small family gathering where I just get like a few of my close friends and my family together in the church, not on a Sunday, and I can share my testimony with them and then you can baptize me. And I said, no, because baptism is an ordinance of the church. And if you're not willing to share your testimony in front of this church, that in my view, that being an ordinance of the church, the church is playing a part in this. So when I baptize people, the church has language that they speak back. You know, almost like you guys, maybe if you've done a baby dedication, you'll ask the congregation, do you promise to? So basically, there's a moment where the person shares their testimony. I ask them about their, you know, their walk with the Lord. And then I ask the congregation to affirm. And I make a lot of statements about, you know, what a miracle and a blessing it is for us as a congregation to see this moment. And then we tie it to communion because, you know, what you're remembering when you're taking communion is like the moment of your baptism. And when you came to faith. And baptism is a public profession of faith. So you, uh, to me, I don't think it's, I don't think it's wise or good to do like a small family baptism, uh, unless there's some, you know, circumstance that really makes it, you know, like providentially hindering to do it. Otherwise, I think you you need to do it in front of the church, in front of you know what you would consider a gathering of the church. I'll, I'll play you? devil's advocate there for a little bit yeah, because. Go for it. Uh, well, I, like we were, jo you know, joking around before we started recording. And Jeff, you were baptized at the camp that you and I each spent so yeah. many summers at. So, and is the is a camp a parachurch ministry? And now that camp was owned by a loosely held denomination. So you could yep. make that argument, I guess. Who also had but, some weird weird ideas about baptism? About baptism, yeah. But yeah. how is that? So you know, a group of teenagers is an expression of the church, but you know, 12 friends and family members or six fam friends and family members isn't, again, we're talking about a New Testament baptism model. When we have Acts, they're going home and getting baptized right then and there. Yeah. We don't know, we don't have any indication that there's more than just 
the apostle doing the baptize in the right. be doing the baptism in the household. But at my uh, previous church, um, it was a Presbyterian church, so babies were baptized. Uh, teenagers or, or new believers were not that didn't necessarily want to be sprinkled in the church. We would do beach baptisms, and yep. so with the beach baptisms. It's a church full of old people. We're not saying, hey, all you 78-year-olds, come on out to the beach. Uh, make sure you're wearing a youth group appropriate bathing suit, Grandma. We wouldn't do that, but we right. would make sure that there was a picture or a video. Hey, we want to keep you in the loop. So-and-so, hey, stand up and wave, was baptized this past Saturday night, this past Sunday afternoon at the beach. And so even if it wasn't, hey, this is happening in front of the whole church, we are still letting the church know. And I think that's... Yeah, and I would say it's do it's something it, like that. It's the spirit of the conviction, not the letter of it. And yeah. you know, so that's why I say it. Is it? Would most people who are hearing about this think in their mind that's a representative gathering of the church? I don't think it means that every member who's ever attended has to be in that room right then. But the spirit of it was he was trying to get out of making a public profession of faith in front of the church. He wanted it to just be like four people in the room. And so pastorally, my response to that was, you're missing the point of baptism. The point of baptism is you making a public profession of faith. So no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do it in front of the church. And we're going to do it We're going to do it on a Sunday morning when the church is gathered. Um, and there's a whole story about the other guy that got baptized that day that was uh, kind of interesting. But like, I also don't think I would do communion in a small group either. And I used I used to be the other way on that. I think communion is another ordinance in the church. I would say sacrament in the church that should be done in the church's gathering. But so let me ask you this, then. I mean, and and I'm I'm pretty much on board with all you guys. But you know, I know a parachurch organization. Their kids go to camp, they get saved, and the leader just starts baptizing them right there on a live stream. Like if I was a parent and I saw my child got baptized on a live stream somewhere you know, by someone who's not in the church or whatever, like that would, that would do something in me. I actually, this guy was a friend of mine. And one day we were sitting down and just talking about baptism. And I said, so, you know, when did you get baptized? Now he is employed taking money from this parachurch organization, right? He goes, oh, I never got baptized. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, I got saved late in life. Six months later, this parachurch organization asked me to start working and uh, I never got baptized. And I felt like if I did that, it would confuse the students. So I'm just not getting baptized. And he himself has baptized like 50 or 60 people. Yikes. And at this point, I mean, I'll be honest, it was shortly after, and he was a friend of mine, but that's just a, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty, it's an issue, you know? So like I actually disaffiliated with partnering with them, but it was understanding, but at the same time, I'm like, if he takes my students and baptizes them, and first of all, it's not in a church. Second of all, he's not even baptized. I guess the question I have is, um, you know, if you find out your employee isn't, or maybe that's something, I know it seems glaringly obvious, but it's a good thing to ask in your interview, <laughs> you know, have you been baptized? Because, man, I'm just thinking if they would have found out that he wasn't baptized, like what would have what would have came of that? And then I'm, I'm even saying, should I have said something? I, I don't know. But I know that we can either take it super tight fisted and regulate it so much that it's like a work, or yeah. we can make it so willy nilly that it's like I'm getting baptized so I can have my angel armies to help me save dogs. So there's some place in the middle 
Well, um, and that's like yeah. the same motivation for people that want to get their baby baptized. Like, I'm never coming to church. I don't have any connection to the church. But will you baptize my baby so that they'll be good with the God I don't care about or worship? It's it's honestly like the it's the same motivation down at the bottom of people asking us as pastors to do religious exemptions for them for stuff. It's like they just want to use us to get this little box checked. And I would say, and you know, to go to Dell's part about uh, ba- baptizing some, uh, you know, an underage kid on a live stream, like at the camp that I was baptized at, you had to call your parents, uh, and your parents could say a lot of my a lot of kids that I knew. They didn't get baptized at camp, even though they wanted to. They Their parents said, no, they're going to get baptized back at church. So they would baptize you at camp. But a lot of kids and a, a lot of kids that were in my church, their parents said, no, we're going to do it at church. And there would always be a week, like two weeks after camp was over in the church where on the Sunday, you know, like a bunch of kids would get baptized from the from, who had been at camp. So, they, you know, they still honored the local church in that, but they did baptize you in the lake. I would say if you are tuning into a live stream and you're shocked to see your kid getting baptized, you probably didn't research that camp very well before yeah. you sent your kid to camp. If that is a camp Facts. that is doing that, you should know that going in. And you should say, hey, if this happens, I need a phone call first or something. I mean, I definitely think that uh, there there needs to be a bit of a, a discerning question from the youth pastor. Depending, it depends on the kind of camp it is, right? If it's one of those camps where as a youth group, you're sending your youth group with the youth pastors and leaders to the camp, or if you're just like sleepaway camp where you're sending individual kids, then like if I'm a youth pastor at these camps, because I've been to those camps as a youth pastor with my students and I see kids getting baptized, my first thought is if if I baptize one of these kids in the beach right now and the parents find out after the fact, I should be in trouble. Yeah. Like I will be in trouble and I should be in trouble. Um, I've kind of created a pot. Like I, I'm kind of mixed on this. I feel like there's something kind of epic about having beach baptisms um, at a camp and something like that. But my conviction has always been like, th- since this is a minor, this decision should also be involving with the parents. And therefore by that rule alone, unless the parents are with me on the camp or something, then like, I just don't do it. And also, I'm taking away the opportunity from allowing the rest of the church from hearing the op- the, the, the the testimony yeah. and the life change in the kid that's in the church. You know? And I do I do um, I do want to say like I do think we do live in an era with video, so that does open up some possibilities for things you can do. And I'm not dogmatic yeah. about it. Like I don't think there's anything special. There is nothing special about my baptismal. You know, the heater's broken; it leaks. Like it's not <laughs> the tank doesn't do nothing. <laughs> so. I'm totally fine with, you know, if you if you say, hey, church, we're going to do a baptism Sunday and we're going to do a barbecue at the beach after service come out and, you know, half your church shows up. That's still a gathering of the church. Like and I still think yeah. that works. So it's not I'm not being dogmatic about it. it has to happen in the service with this water. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the spirit of it not being like I'm going to do this because what we're fighting against is people trying to keep their faith private and to themselves. And baptism of all things and communion is a public moment where you're saying we're together in this. We always say your faith is a very personal thing, but it should never be a private it's thing. Personal, private. yes. Private, yeah. yes. Hey, let me let me address one other thing since we are a interdenominational podcast here. Um, in our denomination uh, that Tim and I are in, the Evangelical Covenant Church, our denomination was founded by a Pietist Lutheran movement. 
Mm-hmm. And I would say there's a good chunk of churches in our denomination that have come out of the PC USA in the past decade or so. Mm. And so we have a heritage of pedobaptism in our denomination, and each pastor is expected to um, honor what, whichever mode of baptism a family prefers yeah. if they can properly articulate why they're doing it. So if someone says, hey, can you baptize my baby so that they can go to heaven? I would say, nope, absolutely not. But if they say, hey, can you baptize my baby as a sign that they will be brought up in the covenant community of God's people? Yeah. I would say, yes, I, I can do that. Um, that's not something that I've been asked to do in this church, but I was a Presbyterian in my former ministry. So that's what we would do there. And I think it is so important to recognize that the wedding ring illustration that works so beautifully for a believer's baptism works very well for a good reformed covenant understanding of an infant baptism as well. Yeah. It's just instead of the wedding ring versus the, you know, I was already married. It is now an engagement ring. And this is a symbol of something that is to come that we trust that God is going to do um, within this covenant community that this child is going to be raised in. So yeah, we had a, we had I, a professor in Frank and I, we had a class together where he would say, um, we're basically saying that we're assuming that this child is going to uh, come up mm-hmm. within the covenant until he proves otherwise, mm-hmm. which was, I, I thought is, is a pretty beautiful way to say it. Just like circumcision in the Old Testament, some real right. rascals exactly. came out of the uh, the nation of Israel, and those little boys were circumcised, yet they still turned out to be jerks. Um, but their parents were still hopefully trusting that those boys would grow in the faith that they were brought up in. So one other unique thing. I was going to say, uh, I actually think that that touches on the importance of the church being involved, because what you're saying in that is that this is a community of covenant. And so it puts some mm -hmm. weight on the body of the, of the church to say, we're raising this kid up and, you know, in this body, assuming they're part of it until they prove otherwise. But we have, we, we bear responsibility too. There was a like responsive affirmation and, and readings that we would yeah. have as a church when a baby was baptized. But so one thing that's kind of funny about um, our church, the the Evangelical Covenant Church, is I think the vast majority of the newer churches that have been planted in the past thirty or forty years, um, they have a more even evangelistic, you know, believers' baptism mindset. But they didn't want to step on the toes of any of the Lutherans or the Presbyterians that came into the denomination later. And so if a teenager who was baptized as a baby wants to be rebaptized, or if they came in from a Catholic church and want to be rebaptized, there's an allowance for that in our in our church doctrine. But it's funny, they they refer to it as no, this is not a rebaptism. The is a this is a reaffirming of your baptism with water. Because they don't want to offend anybody who's, who would think that you are being baptized for a second time. It might look like a second baptism, but no, no, no. This is a reaffirmation with water, and that just makes me laugh. That is funny. For the record, I think the Reformed understanding of baptizing a child is wonderful. I think claiming to baptize someone who didn't know what it meant the first time is just a reaffirmation. That's malarkey, and that's playing politics with the church, but it's still kind of funny. Um, this is this has been a conversation, and what's great is these type of kind of somewhat nuanced conversations are going to be happening at the practically pastoring conference. And I can't wait because 
Um, the good news about the conference is that when you talk over each other, it's less awkward than with like a Zoom call, <laughs> where like you're like, huh, 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 and you just have to mute yourself. Um, but uh, I'm excited about the kind of conversations we're going to have at the conference. But we're also excited every week with the conversations we have here at the Practically Passing Podcast. If you can help us, please rate and review the show, share it with a friend, join our Facebook group, follow us on Instagram, all the things. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Um, hey, man, like literally in two weeks, we'll be together. And I am first time ever. <laughs> Oh man, the, the 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 podcast by itself wants to cancel me. All right, hey, first time ever, all five of us together. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. With that being said, I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. Delmar's and on mute. Muted. And I'm Andrew Larson. And I'm Delmar Pete. And this is Partly Pastoring. See you next time. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group where we get to share ideas and make each other better.